Security. From St. Pete to Brandon, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris, where Tampa Bay begins their morning. AM Tampa Bay on Friday, July 8th. I'm Ryan Gorman in for Jack Harris with Kitty Pacino and James Burlander. And we've got a lot to cover this morning. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll do today's top stories with Chris Trankman. Also, we have this day in history. We'll check in with Investopedia Editor-in-Chief Caleb Silver to talk about the markets and uh, the latest from the Federal Reserve, what they may do with interest rates moving forward, and whether or not they can avoid recession while trying to bring inflation down. Plus, if you missed our interview with Paul County Sheriff Grady Judd yesterday on the Ryan Gorman Show, we talked to him at about 7.45. Uh, he's been in law enforcement this month for 50 years, and so we had him on to congratulate him, talk to him a little bit about being on the job that long, also Here's some stories from him, some highlights, or maybe you would call them lowlights, some of the crazy people that he's dealt with <laughs> throughout the course of his career. And and also, what I really wanted to find out from him was how it works when he does those press conferences and he has those one-liners and all of that. And uh, he he told us all about it. And it sounds like it's all he doesn't have a team of writers. I love that. I love yeah. that he just comes up with them organically. Yeah, this isn't Saturday Night Live or something like that where you've got a whole team uh, in the back writing up these uh, jokes. He's, it's all him. Uh, <laughs> so we'll have that interview for you coming up uh, at about 5.45 this morning. And we'll also check in with NBC News Radio senior national correspondent Rory O'Neill as well. So when someone's trending on Twitter, I would say nine out of ten times it's not for a good reason. Yeah, that's very true. You know, sometimes you'll see, I'll see like Larry David trending him. Oh my God, he died. Yeah, you're like, I automatic, when somebody's trending on Twitter, I automatically think they're dead. Um, and this morning when I woke up, I looked on Twitter and sure enough, uh, former Japanese leader Shinzo Abe was trending. I'm like, this can't be good. And he was shot at a campaign event and there's conflicting reports. Okay. So just a minute ago, CNN and a couple other uh, networks had him in critical condition. He's the former prime minister of Japan. Bay News 9, they were reporting that he died. Oh, that's a bit of a difference. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of a difference there. So right now the headline on CNN is former Japanese prime minister Shinzo Abe has been assassinated. So I guess that's the update. Assassinated means dead, correct? Yeah, yeah you would think, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I don't think you can be like assassinated into critical condition. Right, Maybe, right. though. I... So they just changed their headline. All right, well. So that's the breaking news this morning. See, here it says he's in very grave condition. Up oh, no, now Japan's television station, NHK, is reporting that he has died after being shot during a campaign speech. Yikes. He was shot from behind minutes after he started his speech in Western Japan. And what's crazy about that is, talk about gun laws. Like, you can't own a gun in Japan. Really? Oh, it is insanely difficult. Do they have the guy who did it? They have the guy who did it. We don't know why yet. Uh, at least I haven't seen that. But it is it is not easy to get a gun in Japan. Somebody had one and managed to get that close to the former prime minister, wow, and killed him. So that's uh, the big breaking news this morning. World leaders uh, from other countries, they've been in the news a lot lately. Uh, Boris Johnson resigning yesterday in the UK, and uh, and now you have this news out of Japan. Again, former Japanese leader Shinzo Abe uh, has been shot at a campaign event, and 
uh, he has since succumbed to his wounds. So we'll we'll follow that throughout the morning and have more on it as we learn more. It's a breaking story. So again, uh, just in the last five minutes, it went from him being in critical condition to him being uh, assassinated. Coming up next, we'll do today's top stories with Chris Trankman right here on AM Tampa Bay. Quick takes. Ripping through the biggest news stories of the day in record time. Providing you all you need to know. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. Ryan Gorman in for Jack Harris with Kitty Pacino, James Berlander, and Chris Trankman from our news radio WFLA newsroom. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Ryan. So the latest from Japan, Prime, former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has died. That's according to Japanese media. He was shot while appearing at a campaign event in Nara, Japan. The suspect is in custody. And the suspect apparently told authorities that he was aiming to kill. Wow. So this was an assassination. And the suspect uh, was taken into custody, told police he was dissatisfied with the former prime minister. Apparently. Yeah, Abe airlifted from the scene and died uh, in medical care, apparently. He is uh, the longest-serving prime minister in Japan, 10 years. And despite stepping down from the job, he's still highly influential in Japanese politics, and thus the reason he was giving a speech you know, yeah, a political event. He stepped down for health reasons back in in 2020, but he's still been very involved behind the scenes. Uh, what's going to be interesting is to find out how this individual got a gun in yeah. Japan because there aren't very many of them. It looked like it was disguised. You know, there was some video, mm-hmm. and it looked like he had it wrapped in something so that you couldn't tell it was a gun. Yeah, at least not initially. Uh, so that is obviously an unusual occurrence in a country like Japan, which, right. know, unlike the U.S., has very strict controls on firearms, and you just don't hear about these kinds of crimes. No, well, you don't hear about these kinds of assassinations either in, in you know, Western-developed countries. Not uh, very often. No. Uh-uh. It's been a, you know, rather big week for uh, politics overseas. You know, you have the whole incident involving the British prime minister resigning and essentially not stepping down, though. He's saying he's going to stay there until the fall, and now people are calling for him to leave now yeah, so they can move on and choose someone else. But I guess he's going to hang out until they come up with a different uh, prime minister. Yeah, a candidate. lot of turmoil in British politics, yeah. in Israeli politics, uh, you know, those countries where you got to form that that parliamentary system. Yeah. Uh, these these countries are having a hard time that's, keeping it That's together. why you just need to, you know, copy what China and Russia are doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, yeah, you don't have those problems. No turnover, every, <laughs> everything the same every year. Right. <laughs> Lots of cameras and yeah. surveillance. You know, everything's under control over there. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So we'll just have to look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an effort underway to destroy what Nikki Fried is calling the most damaging snail in the world. The agriculture secretary in Pasco County, she wants to eradicate the giant African land snail. Apparently, it's you know been there for a while, and they've found a thousand of them already. And they've been eating plants, and they carry disease, and they can damage your house. We're going to talk about this more during the Ryan Gorman show. After Why would seven. that be? Well, uh, we we, we don't want to give it away or anything. We, we were in fact this is, this is big. Contacted by the Department of Agriculture <laughs> yesterday. Uh, about the snails that we brought into the studio. So I don't know why I'm laughing. This is <laughs> yeah. This is really serious. Yeah, no, it was very serious. It is. Uh, they they contacted our bosses and uh, Katie had to to talk to them. And no, I'm serious. The <laughs> Department of Agriculture <laughs> reached out to us about the snails. So hmm. yeah, we'll have more on that. Uh, that another breaking story this morning. We'll have that for you a little bit later yeah. on. So uh, one of the coolest actors around has died. James Kahn. 
He uh, passed away at the age of 82. Sonny Corleone. Yeah, I mean, he was in a lot of great movies. Yeah. You know, he was Brian Piccolo in uh, Brian's Song. It was a TV show, I guess, that was really... And he, he got an Emmy nomination for that. He was also uh, in one of my favorite roles, uh, the father in Elf. Yes. <laughs> it's ever sad that, that. I, I remember him as Sonny Corleone and the father in Elf. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> brilliant, brilliant roles. It's a lot of range. Yes, exactly. Um, he was also in a movie with Barbara Streisand. And he was also uh, in uh, several TV shows. And was just well known for being a great tough guy, yeah, but a cool guy off the screen, and uh, you know, a, a guy like you said that had a lot of range mm-hmm. despite his sort of tough guy persona. The one line that he says in The Godfather that uh, I don't know, it's one of my favorite lines. He says it. Sonny says it to Michael Corleone. They're at the dinner table, and it's just a couple of them left, and and he says, "Would you go to college to get stupid?" Uh, <laughs> just one of my favorite lines. Yeah. You know, everybody focuses on... Uh, you mess with my sister, yeah, you're dead. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, you, right. Yeah, they focus on those kinds of scenes, but that one line always stuck with me. I mean, what yeah. a fantastic actor uh, playing the role of Sonny. What was the one, uh, I think he said something like, uh, you're not a wartime yeah, was yeah. it something like that? Telling the... Um, well, that's what Michael said to... Um, Oh my God! I'm I'm drawing. A, yeah, I know. I'm drawing you a see, blank this is now, this is where all the Godfather yeah. nerds are going to uh, show up because some people know these movies. Yeah, you know, like the back of their my head. mom. She would disown me right now. I can't remember the name of the lawyer and uh, uh, Tom the consigliere. Yeah, yeah, Tom Hagen. Uh, uh, yeah, that's when Michael says to Tom. He says, "You're not a wartime consigliere. You're out. You're out, right. Tom. You're out." Right. Yeah. Why am I out? One. Uh, I mean, would you put that as the best movie? I mean, I think it's the best movie of all time. No, it's no. not my favorite. I, you know, I like it. Uh, I'm more of a go- Goodfellas guy. Really? Yeah, I like that one better. Yeah, that one's good. I don't know something about the Godfather though. It's just and the Godfather's and about really the, good the top of the top. You know, yeah, that's the high end and the mafia well, and all that. I, I, I kind of like the the sort of street cred. Yeah, of, uh, Goodfellas. Have you seen Donnie Brasco? That's another good one too. Yeah, that's a good yeah, one. They, yeah. Al Pacino was excellent. Johnny Depp was really good in that too. The Godfather, I guess, just the whole when you put it all together, the way. The movie flows, the storylines. I don't know. I just think it's a it's a masterpiece. It and is. James Conn was a huge. I mean, it's huge right up there. I, I like Casablanca and some of the other really okay. old ones too. But yeah, I, it, there's no question. It's one of the greatest movies of all time. And he was an essential and influential yeah. character, and really stood out too because of his sort of forceful right. personality. He was a hothead. You know? He was a hothead. And got him killed. That's right. I mean, the scene at the toll plaza. Oh. I mean, you never forget it. No. You know. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I think about it every time I'm on the Selman. Yeah, his. You know? <laughs> <laughs> coming for you, Chris. His face when he realizes. Ah, uh, crap. I know exactly what's coming. That's uh, right. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I can picture it right now. Chris <laughs> Trankman with today's top stories. Chris, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, coming up next, we'll do This Day in History right here on AM Tampa Bay. Certain states. Now, taking a look back at This Day in History on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. Ryan Gorman in for Jack Harris with Katie Pacino and James Berlander. I'm not going to lie, it's a pretty boring day in history. Yay. The day to celebrate. Not a lot happened on this day. You kind of just skip right past it, to be honest with you. Uh, today in 1889, the Wall Street Journal published its first issue. Oh, well, that was big. I would say of the major mainstream news outlets, you know, when you think of the Washington Post, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, all of that, Wall Street Journal is my favorite. Good. I think they do a really good job. Um, the only problem is it's expensive. 
the subscriptions. I think we have to have subscriptions for like everything here. It's obnoxious. Yeah. Is that one of the websites you can only read the first two oh, sentences yeah. and then it's like, nope, you're yeah. down here. Yeah. So, you know, look, I got to have subscriptions to the Times, the Post, the Wall Street Journal, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the Wall Street Journal one's like, I think it's 32 a month. Oh, my God. I know. It's insane. The New York Times, I'm able to get that for like four bucks because I put in some old like student ID <laughs> email. Still a college student. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, whatever uh, it works. <laughs> it kind of evens this, out. I think it did the same thing for the Post, but the Wall Street Journal, I couldn't get away with that. And yeah, it costs a fortune to read that paper. Goodness. Uh, today in 1992, Melrose Place premiered on Fox. I was never a big fan of the whole Melrose Place thing. I don't even know what that is. You don't know what Melrose Place is? No. What, what year was that? Oh, in 1992. Oh, okay. I, so how, how old were you? God, so. I wasn't even born yet. Yeah, okay. so. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a big show for me. <laughs> we'll move right past that. Um, O.J. Simpson, on this day in 1994, was ordered to stand trial on charges of murdering his ex-wife, Nicole, and her friend, Ronald Goldman. O.J., if you go and check him out on Twitter, he's always commenting on stuff. Really? Yeah, he does commentary. Uh, there, recently, when the Roe v. Wade ruling came down he did a, a video on twitter uh with his thoughts on abortion and roe v wade just what we need yeah he did transgender athletes real recently he did a little thing on uh he's got a lot to say one thing he's not doing is and he promised he was going to do this he was going to find the real killers of uh nicole and ron goldman and, sure he's looking into yeah it. yeah i think uh that kind of fell by the wayside there uh when it comes to birthdays on this day kevin bacon 64. 64? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, everybody remembers him from Footloose. Also, he was in A Few Good Men and Apollo 13. Um, but he did a show on Fox not too long ago called The Following, which I thought was a really good show. It was like a serial killer type deal. and hmm. Yeah, it was a pretty good show. Um, that was the last time I think I really watched him in anything. Sophia Bush is 40. She was on Chicago PD and a couple other shows. Uh, I'm a big fan. And Toby Keith, 61. Yeah, well, Toby Keith. Is he still... Uh, mm, mm -hmm. Not really? Yeah, I mean, no, no. More, he's like classic country. Yeah, exactly. He's going into there. Okay. And the late fashion designer Hugo Boss uh, was born on this day back in 1885. And what was interesting with Hugo Boss... When I was in Chicago, and I had to actually dress up because, you know, the radio station was in a nice office building downtown. and you had to, I'd hate that. Yeah, exactly. I can't dress like uh, scrub like I do now. Um, I, I used to wear, you know, a lot of Hugo Boss. You know, some, it's weird. Some types of clothing, they just fit better than others, depending. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Hugo Boss always had a really good fit for me. But I did not know this. He once produced uniform for the Nazi party. Oh. Yeah. So... What if you got paid well for that? Well, I wish I would have known that before I... Yeah, before you gave went, him a bunch of your money. Went, went all in on Hugo Boss. Had no I, I just learned that uh, moments ago. He produced uniforms for the Nazi party. Well, I'm too poor to even know that Hugo Boss was a designer of yeah. any sort. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that is. And that's uh, This Day in History here on Friday, July 8th. Coming up next, we'll talk to Investopedia Editor-in-Chief Caleb Silver on AM Tampa Bay. On air and online at WFLANews.com. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA.
Let's go to the hotline now. And joining us, we have Investopedia Editor-in-Chief Caleb Silver to talk about gas prices, the markets, all of that. Caleb, thanks so much for coming on. And let's start with gas prices. Certainly starting to come down a bit. Is this a trend? Is it a blip? What are we expecting moving forward? I think it's a trend. The national average now $4.75. That's down from over 5 bucks just a few weeks ago. It's down $0.10 cents in a week, down $0.20 cents in just the past month. In Florida, you're paying about $4.48 on average. Why is this happening? Look at oil prices. Gas prices follow oil prices usually by about two to three weeks, and we've seen a lot of demand destruction in the crude oil market. Demand is still there, but folks are fearing a recession and a possible pullback later on this year, so they're starting to spend a little bit less, starting to plan to use a little bit less oil, and that translates to prices at the pump. Is that allowing oil companies and the supply chains to catch up? Because that was certainly part of the problem, part of the reason for that massive increase, or are they not likely to take significant steps to make sure they can uh, reach a higher demand because that demand may not be there? Yeah, great question. I think we're about 90% refining capacity here in the U.S. compared to almost 95% in 2019 pre-pandemic. So we could still be refining more gas. But now we're starting to see, again, demand destruction. The cure for yeah. high prices is high prices. We've actually seen less demand and less fill-ups at gas stations for the past six to seven weeks. This is not just all of a sudden. This has been going on. As folks looked at $5, $6 gallon uh, fill-ups, they backed off of that. So less fill-ups, less driving distances as well. So Mm -hmm. demand has actually fallen here in the U.S., and that's probably why you're not going to see gas and oil companies want to refine more gas. They know a slowdown's coming. Prices could continue to fall, and they want to make sure they hold on to their profits. As those oil and gas prices start to come down, could that have a more broad-based impact on inflation and the high prices for other products that we've been seeing? Without question, because you need gas and oil to transport other goods. The biggest increases we've seen have been in gas and oil and electricity and heating oil and in food. You need gas to transport food. So those two are the big sticky ones, and you can't get away from those. you got to fill your car if you're you know, commuting to work or taking family members around. you got to fill the fridge if you have a household. So those prices are remaining high, but you're starting to see demand destruction and falling prices across the commodity sector. Look at copper. Look at timber. Look at lumber. Look at a lot of the other metals out there as well. You're seeing that destruction happening because prices were too high, but also this fear of a recession that is getting louder by the day has folks thinking that there's not going to be a lot of demand in the third and fourth quarter maybe we should uh you know maybe prices are going to fall because people aren't going to be spending more going into the rest of the year looking at the federal reserve minutes clearly there's still concern that inflation could remain high for uh, quite a while that that we potentially haven't seen the worst of it and, and also uh you seem to have top federal uh reserve officials and others indicating that that soft landing that Uh, bringing down inflation while also avoiding recession, that that seems like it's less and less likely. How is that impacting the markets? Yeah, I think the markets are getting used to the fact that the Fed is going to do whatever it can to bring down inflation, which means raising interest rates. They raise in three-quarters of a percent. The last meeting, they're going to raise in probably a half a percent or three-quarters of a percent in July, depending on the inflation readout. But if you looked at the minutes, and the minutes are basically the, the notes from the last yeah. federal meeting, on, uh, Federal Reserve meeting on interest rates, they mentioned inflation 900 times. Wow. They didn't me- mention recession once. I bet you the next time they meet, you're going to hear the word recession a lot more than we did in the last time. So they're going to have a very hard time putting a, a landing this economy softly because 
because those prices were so stubbornly high, and then we're going to have this pullback coming at us uh, in the next 6 to 12 months that could actually lead to a recession. So all of these things are connected, and the more we talk about it, the more we kind of bring it into existence. Investopedia Editor-in-Chief Caleb Silver with us. Caleb, really appreciate the time and insight. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. All right, coming up next, if you missed our interview with Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd yesterday on the Ryan Gorman Show, he's celebrating 50 years in law enforcement this month. We're going to have that for you in a moment here on News Radio WFLA. Live from the WFLA studios, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. Let's go straight to the hotline and joining us now, we have Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd, who's celebrating 50 years in law enforcement this month. He's been the sheriff of Polk County since 2004. Sheriff Judd, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to come on the show. We wanted to have you on and just congratulate you for uh, your long, distinguished period of service here in the Tampa Bay area. How does it feel being in law enforcement for 50 years? Well, I don't know how it feels not to be in law enforcement. <laughs> right. You know, I've done it my entire adult life. And if I sound hoarse this morning, it's because I am. I had four grandkids in, in the mountains last week, and the four-year-old gave me what he had. So, mm. uh, so I'm feeling fine, but my voice is not so good. But I am excited to, to be the sheriff. It's It's a true honor to serve the people of Polk County and to make a positive difference in people's lives. So, and I, you know, I've, I've done this since I was 18. Amazing. So I don't know anything other than serving people and working for the sheriff's office. And I don't want to know anything else. I know you've seen a lot over 50 years since you were 18. What's the strangest thing you've encountered in your 50 years? <laughs> if you could pinpoint one. Do, do you know there's a, a, a long list? I mean, people walking nude out in the middle of the road you know that that always strikes me as as strange and and whenever you see them it's it's not like they should be proud and walking (laughs) so so that that's probably the strangest thing we see over and over one more example of what drugs does for you yes yes you know makes you do crazy things one thing that I know everybody is wondering, so you did a press conference recently that, that we got a real kick out of. Uh, it involved a woman making a mess at a McDonald's. You're talking about uh, she was a McMess and all of that. How do you come up with that stuff? Do you, like at night, you know, when you hear about the situation, you, you say, all right, I, I'm going to do a press conference and, and I've got a little something for the media here today. How does that work? You know, back in the day, I, I had a big case go on and cnn interviewed me and after it was over the cnn lady ran up and said who writes your material (laughs) my material they they try to shut me up so if you look at my director of communication what little hair he has left is gray and that's because of me but you know if if i think of it i you know i say it so, but that was just too good to pass up. That lady, you know, having, yeah, I mean. She's a McNutt. Well, y'all, you saw, saw it. She acted like a McNutt. Yeah. Oh, what you, what you didn't know, when she got an, got her an attorney, you know, and to our attorneys do what attorneys do. I didn't know at the time I gave them the interview. Her attorney was, name was like McLaughlin or something. <laughs> how, 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 
for you and yeah, how did she ever find somebody like that? Right. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. Uh, how do you think things have changed in the fifty years for the better or the worse? Well, technology has gotten, as you know, remarkably better. We we solve crimes today that we never would have solved back in the day. On the downside of it, technology has allowed sexual predators to get to our children mm-hmm. more easily. And and that's a little depressing. But one thing, when I first got into law enforcement, we had mental health hospitals. So people that needed, you know, longer-term help, yeah. we could send them to a hospital. We don't have that anymore. So as a nation, not just a state, but as a nation, we've regressed from our taking care of the mentally ill from the time I first got into law enforcement, and we need to change that. Then when they did away with the mental health hospitals, guess what became the biggest mental health hospital in all of our counties? The jails. The jail. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We're talking to Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd. You know, it's interesting. A couple of years ago, I was talking to the sheriff of Cook County up in Illinois, and that yes. was exactly what he said to me. He's like, the majority of the people that I have in the jails, they belong in some kind of a mental institution, but because there aren't any, we're having to handle that load. And and that goes beyond just the jails. Your officers, uh, they're out there, and they're expected to obviously protect and serve, but then they're uh, a therapist and a counselor and all kinds of different things on top of that. No, that is exactly correct. Think about this. We've legalized more mind-altering drugs. The media has downplayed the use and abuse of drugs or sell of drugs. The system has downplayed it, and our mental health issues go up. Yeah. I mean, duh. You know, we've got two things going on. We've got the mentally ill that are self-medicating. And we've got the people that are mentally ill because of the psychosis and the results of the use of drugs. And we keep doing the same old thing and wonder why things don't get better in that particular area. So while I always see the positive side, this is a wonderful state, wonderful nation. Our crime rate in this state and in my county is at a 51-year low. Mm. Who can brag about that other than the state of Florida? But at the end of the day, there's certain things that we don't do as well today that we did 50 years ago when I entered the business. There's other things that that we are light years ahead of where we ever thought we could be in this industry. A couple months ago, Sheriff, your department got a huge delivery of uh, of moon pies. Are, <laughs> are you sick of moon pies at this point? Do, do you know I love moon pies? But I, some of my deputies said that we've had enough moon pies. And but but I thought that was funny as I could be a a guy sent me five hundred moon pies. That's great. That's fantastic, Katie. But, what and, what shirt do you have on? You have the Grady Judd shirt on right now. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> but 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 you know what? You know, moon pies should have you know should have you know donated to my charity or something. We had to sell a million moon pies over that, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Paul County Sheriff Grady Judd, we want to congratulate you on such a, a long, uh, exceptional career in law enforcement, and thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you very much, and I look forward to the next 50 years as the sheriff of Polk County. All right, sounds good. I'm sure the residents of Polk County feel the same way. Thanks again, Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd, with us here on News Radio WFLA. Coming up next, we'll talk to NBC News Radio senior national correspondent Rory O'Neill. 
Live on 94.5 FM in Pinellas County, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. Ryan Gorman in for Jack Harris with Katie Vicino and James Berlander. And right now, let's go to the hotline. And joining us, we have NBC News Radio National Correspondent Rory O'Neill. This report brought to you by the Oncology Institute. Roy, thanks so much for coming on this morning, and I want to go back to a big story from yesterday and, and kind of get the rundown as to how things played out. Brittany Griner, the WNBA star over in Russia, being held there, uh, she appeared in court. Tell us about what happened. Right. She entered a guilty plea in court yesterday, and her lawyers tried to explain to the judge how this was accidental when she brought some vape cartridges with hashish oil into Russia saying she was packing in a hurry, and uh, that's how the cartridges got into her bag, essentially throwing herself at the mercy of the court, hoping that her otherwise clean reputation and the fact that this is a pretty minor offense uh, will get her some leniency. But, uh, you know, as they, the Biden administration says, they're trying to negotiate her release. They call this arrest unjust. But uh, you've even heard from some Russian diplomats say, hey, look, cool off on the, on the public nature uh, of this whole case. Let the diplomats do their thing behind the scenes. And she could face, correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw something like she could face 10 years in a Russian prison for that. Yeah, that's the big concern, obviously. Uh, that is the potential penalty. Now, this is not, you know, the Russian courts don't quite work like ours do. She, her trial is actually still continuing, even with this guilty plea. She'll be back in court again next week. Uh, but still, the negotiations to get her out of there continue. Yeah, and there is a lot of pressure on the Biden administration to bring her home. Uh, I believe they spoke with, uh, is it her girlfriend or wife, uh, recently? I think both President Biden and the Vice President yeah, were on that call. Yeah, President Biden, uh, Vice President Harris have both made phone calls to Griner's wife uh, telling her uh, that they are trying to get her home, quote, as soon as possible. That's mm-hmm. what the White House said. But, you know, we've heard, we've heard the frustration of a lot of yeah. her family and loved ones and colleagues saying, hey, look, if this were LeBron James, she'd right. be home by now. Mm-hmm. Um, you Interesting know, point. Yep. You try to point out she's not LeBron James, right. but uh, she's a talented <laughs> yeah. athlete, an Olympic gold medalist and all that. But. You know, it doesn't have the high profile that LeBron had. NBC News Radio Senior National Correspondent Rory O'Neill. Rory, thanks so much for the update. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Ryan. All right. That report brought to you by the Oncology Institute, a new kind of cancer care provider focused on clinical outcome, patient satisfaction, and designing a treatment plan that's right for you. Six locations across Tampa Bay. Make an appointment at theoncologyinstitute.com. Coming up next, we'll talk to our movie reviewer, Kevin Carr, joins us in a moment. Security. From Odessa to Clearwater, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris, where Tampa Bay begins their morning. Ryan Gorman in for Jack Harris this morning with Katie Buccino and James Berlander. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk to NBC News Radio National Correspondent Nicole Wilson in a little bit about the assassination of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. That's a big breaking story this morning. Also, we'll talk to ABC News crime and terrorism analyst Brad Garrett about the Highland Park mass shooting. So all of that and a whole lot more is on the way. Right now, let's go to the hotline. And joining us, we have our movie reviewer, Kevin Carr, who you can find online at fatguysatthemovies.com. Kevin, it's great to talk to you. And I want to start with your thoughts on the life and legacy of James Caan. Uh, obviously, he played the iconic role of Sonny Corleone in The Godfather. But what else about his career really stood out to you? Well, I think one of the things that artists have to do is kind of reinvent themselves every couple of years. 
Um, but sometimes you don't have to. You just have to stay on the premises, so to speak. I mean, obviously, the the roles that he had later in his years were very different than Sonny Corleone, but yeah. they were also not that different. He always played that tough guy, and whether you're talking about his earlier roles or just talking like where he played the the father in Elf that didn't know he was Will Ferrell's dad. <laughs> yeah, you know it, that's the, the character certainly fit the James Con persona. But it was a wildly different movie. So maybe not reinventing the fact that he didn't he didn't let himself get pigeonholed in a certain type of movie, maybe a certain type of role that he was really, really good at. Uh, but he also did some more vulnerable stuff. If you watched some of his best actings in the movie Misery uh, with right. uh, Captain Another Bay. good one. No. Uh, where would you put The Godfather in terms of all time? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I mean... I, I was I was too young to see it when I was in the theater, so I mean I didn't grow up with it the way some people did. Mm-hmm. I'm also not Italian, so I know that there, there means a lot more to Italian Americans. I mean it's a fantastic movie. It's a great movie. I don't know where I would rank it though. I, I haven't given it too much. It's up there. Yeah, it certainly is up there. It's you know it's better than anything Steven Seagal ever did. Right. <laughs> Uh, Kevin Carr, our movie reviewer. Uh, let's talk about some movies coming out this weekend. Thor: Love and Thunder. Yes, this is the latest Thor movie. It's the fourth one, uh, but of course it's something like the 30-some Marvel movie. Uh, If you follow the Thor stories, and if you just watch the four Thor movies plus the Avengers films, you pretty much got what you need for this film. Uh, It's directed by Taika Waititi, who did Thor Ragnarok, if you remember that last Thor movie, right before they had the Avengers Endgame and Infinity Wars. So it's kind of whimsical it's kind of silly it's very pop and bubblegum uh uses like classic rock and that sort of thing but as as uh, punchy and and funny and as much as it leans into humor there's some real poignant moments in here because you've got thor sort of trying to reinvent himself or at least figure out his place after all the stuff with the uh the Infinity War and Endgame, and you know he's he's knocking around with Guardians of the Galaxy, but he's really doesn't feel at home in New Asgard, and uh, he's trying to figure out what what his next role in his life is. So there's this weird reality of a midlife crisis that that's going on, plus dealing with his old girlfriend who now controls Mjolnir, the uh, the, the hammer of the gods. So uh, as much as it is a fun movie, it it also has some weirdly human elements to it for a movie about space gods jaunting around the universe. And then finally Netflix has this movie coming out called The Sea Beast. How was that? Yeah, this one is it's an animated film and it's a sea adventure. It's it's about a kingdom that is trying to get rid of all the the monsters in the sea that that are attacking ships and attacking coastal cities. And it's about this little girl that uh, he basically stows away on it. And it's like a pirate vessel, only they're not, you know, uh, you know, going around and pillaging. They're 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 killing these sea monsters, and it's her befriending a sea monster and trying to be like, hey, you know, maybe that there's something more than just this, uh, just this beast in the ocean. So it's got this, uh, you know, it's got this really sort of a, you know, it's it, it, I wouldn't say messaging. Messaging gets sticky because you know it's not a browbeater but it, it it's you know it gives you the idea of you know maybe some some things aren't what they always seem uh and it's a great little sort of sea adventure that has some heart to it and, it, and it's got some great performances and, and some really neat uh it, it's not rudimentary animation but mm-hmm. it's a little more simple that 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 really has some depth to it 
movie reviewer Kevin Carr, who you can find online at fatguysatthemovies.com. Kevin, always appreciate the time. Have a great weekend. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right, coming up next, we're going to check in with an investment advisor about how to handle the current market volatility that we continue to see and are probably going to see for quite some time. We'll get to that in a moment here on AM Tampa Bay. Live on the free iHeartRadio app, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. Ryan Gorman in for Jack Harris and joining us on the hotline right now, we have the publisher of Malden Economics, Ed D'Agostino, to talk about the market volatility that we're seeing and what it means for your investments. Ed, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to come on the show. And I know people are seeing the markets up and down, this roller coaster of a ride that we've been on. Um, and I'm sure they're very concerned about their life savings. What are some some tips and some things that you've been focused on that you think everyone should know about? Hey, Ryan. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, the biggest question that we are getting asked right now is, what can I do with my cash? Right. There's mm. there's nowhere to earn any interest uh, and people are scared because of all the volatility. And I get it. And I, I was asking that question myself. So I sought out the, the answer and what I've come up with, at least part of the solution, I think, for a lot of people could be Series I bonds, which are issued by the Treasury Department. Um, not many people know about these things. They're of inflation adjusted bond and they currently pay 9.62% interest wow. which you know where are yeah. you going to find that in a safe investment and that's that was going to be my next question that's i'm sure the follow up is that a safe investment especially you know as people probably don't know a lot about that particular type of investment yeah so this is this is truly it is a bond issued by the federal government right from the treasury department so i would put this on the same level uh for for safety as any any other treasury bond a savings account mm. a bank cd a money market fund it's it's pretty much at the same level of risk which is essentially none right if if right. If, if bonds um, fail, it's because we had a catastrophic event and we've got bigger problems to worry about. And what do you tell people who come to you and they just ask you more generally about the day-to-day -day market fluctuations that they've been seeing? Uh, are you still of the mindset, you know, you, you play the long game and, and you're going to ride this out? I am. I uh, I would say if, if it's a little late to do it now, but if you are sitting on <clears throat> high growth stocks, they're really sensitive to interest rates and and are highly dependent on just growth, not making any money. Um, you, you, it's time to take a very hard look at your portfolio. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you're going to lock in a permanent loss of capital. Uh, the, the best companies are going to bounce back. They always do. So don't get shaken out of good investments. Don't sell everything uh, because because you're panicking. Take a long view. Uh, but but yeah, also be uh, be thorough in your evaluation of what you're holding for investments. And final question for you: What do you see in the near future? Obviously, there are a lot of concerns about recession. The Federal Reserve trying to get inflation under control. Could their work push us into recession? Is that kind of what you're banking on at this point? 
I think we probably will get a mild recession. Mm. I think the Fed is going to get inflation down. I think that we need to prepare for a new regime of higher inflation. I don't think it's going to be you know, eight, eight, nine percent like we're seeing now. Mm -hmm. I think we've peaked, but I think four percent, four and a half percent inflation is something we might be living with for many years to come. All right. Ed D'Agostino, publisher of Malden Economics with us this morning here on AM Tampa Bay. Ed, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on. All right, coming up uh, next, we're going to check in with NBC News Radio National Correspondent Nicole Wilson. We'll have the latest on the assassination of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Also, there's a big jobs report coming out uh, a little bit later on this morning. She'll preview that for us. So we'll get to that in a moment here on AM Tampa Bay. Stick around. Jack, Katie, and James, every weekday morning. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. Ryan Gorman in for Jack Harris here on this Friday morning with Katie Pacino and James Burlander. Big breaking story this morning former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe assassinated. Let's go to the hotline now and joining us. We have NBC News Radio National Correspondent Nicole Wilson with the latest. Nicole, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to come on this morning. And I know it's early in this breaking story, but what do we know about the assassination of the former Japanese prime minister? Well, I think, first of all, we know that this shooting or assassination has sent shockwaves through the country of Japan because it is so rare for them to see this kind of violence in their country. Right. And so we know that a man in his 40s, uh, shot the prime minister. Uh, we know that the prime minister was at a campaign event for parliament. And we know that this gun was probably, right now the reports are, a homemade weapon. And so mm. uh, it's all of these details continue to unravel. Uh, the current prime minister is saying, hey, listen, this is unforgivable. It will not be tolerated here in the country of Japan. And they're looking to uh, make serious serious action against the shooter yeah that's interesting because that was going to be the big question how did this shooter get his hands on a gun in a country where uh gun regulations there some of the toughest in the world uh yet somehow this person was able to uh commit this assassination with a gun so a homemade that would that would be interesting and that would kind of explain uh, a lot but i'm sure investigators over there are going to be diving into all of that uh right now I mean, this that that's what's so surprising, that it was um, an assassination with a gun in Japan. Uh, just not something you typically Absolutely, say. because I think I'm, you know, as the story unfolded, you know, you start. I started doing the research here, and uh, one of the studies or reports of gun violence across the world showed that Japan had about 40 shootings in the entire year of 2013, and that was considered a very high yeah. crime year for them. And so... And that number has trickled down. And so it, it, here in Chicago, we have almost 40 shootings in one weekend. Right. So uh, it's it's a shock to the people over there, particularly those who were in that crowd when mm -hmm. that gun went off. We're joined by NBC News Radio National Correspondent Nicole Wilson now. Uh, let's switch gears and talk about this big jobs report that's coming out a little bit later on this morning. Uh, what are the expectations? What, what should we be looking for from the numbers? So the unemployment rate would stay about steady, right around 3.6% across the country, as it relates to how many people have been 
uh, put back into the workforce, it won't be as high as what we saw in the month of May when we had about 390,000 jobs added to the workforce. I think we're looking somewhere between 250 to 270,000 jobs in the month of June. And while that sounds low compared to the month of May, analysts are saying, hey, listen, when the pandemic hit, we saw a lot of job loss. Mm -hmm. So there's only so far you can go when you've had steady rebound, when you're seeing 400,000 jobs added for several months. And so 250,000 jobs in the month of June, they're saying is not a bad indicator. It still indicates that the economy is moving and that people are getting back to work. All right, Nicole Wilson, NBC News Radio National Correspondent with us. Nicole, really appreciate the time this morning. Thanks so much for coming on. Have a good weekend. All right, you as well. Uh, still to come, we're going to check in with ABC News crime and terrorism analyst Brad Garrett. Brad's been looking into some of the similarities between some of the recent mass shooters. Uh, you've got the mass shooter in Buffalo, in Uvalde, and then the latest one in Highland Park, Illinois. So he's been taking a look at, at some of what connects those shooters. And what's interesting is, uh, believe it or not, it, it's these online gaming forums that sometimes... Um, link these different individuals. Not that they knew each other, but they would operate in the same space. Uh, so we'll talk to him about that coming up at around 6.43. More of AM Tampa Bay on the way for you right here on News Radio WFLA. Stick around. On air and online at WFLANews.com. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. Ryan Gorman in for Jack Harris with Katie Pacino and James Berlander. We've got a bunch of stuff for you on the website. Uh, RyanGormanShow.com is where you can check all of this out. And uh, I want to go back to, there were a couple things that we that we talked about yesterday. Um, one of them involved a guy who was at a wedding and he's having a great time. This video has gone viral, and for good reason. It was on all the like uh, national morning shows and everything, too, yesterday. Probably my favorite video of the year thus far. It's a fantastic video. You can't not feel good when you watch it. You've got this guy at a wedding, and they have sparklers. All the guests have sparklers. And I've seen this before. In fact, I think there was a wedding that I went to a couple of years ago where we did the whole sparkle thing, you know, when yeah. the bride and groom walked. Down, Seems dangerous. Yeah, right, right. It was because everybody was wasted. Um, I'm surprised this didn't happen at the <laughs> wedding that I was at. Um, but the guy's got the spark sparklers and he sets like a it's like a little rose bush kind of thing that's on a barrel. He accidentally sets it on fire. <laughs> He's dancing, having a good time. Having a great time. And then <laughs> and then he sets he sets the rose bush thing on fire. And he just keeps dancing <laughs> while he tries to put the fire out with his arm, uh, which doesn't work. And then he knocks the rosebush on the ground, and he stomps on the fire, puts it out, and really, he keeps dancing the whole time. It's amazing. At some point, he like throws fire on the ground, and like yeah. it, it's 
It's absolutely insane. He's the happiest man. He is. There's two different people who watch this video. There's the people who are like, I do not want my guests to get this drunk at my wedding. I absolutely don't want this. And I'm the opposite. I'm like, I hope all of my guests get this drunk. I want my wedding to be an absolute chaos. And there was a Karen in the video who uh, goes up to him like as soon as the video starts to wind down after the fire's put out. And you can tell she's telling him, you got to drink some water and sit down. (laughs) She's like, we've had enough of this. You almost set the whole venue on fire. Uh, but what's great is he's so drunk, he he has no um, awareness about what's happening. He just he just puts his arm right in the middle of the fire. Obviously, he can feel no pain because he's that wasted. And then he stomps on the fire. He does put it out. He started it, and he put it out. So I will give that to him. Yeah. And he actually he kept dancing through the whole thing, which was pretty incredible. It's a great video. And when you hear this, you're probably thinking college-age kid. You're probably oh, thinking yeah, no. it's, a, it's a young guy, you know, can't handle his liquor. Right. Yeah. No, you have to watch this video. It's beautiful. Yeah, it, it's really funny. Uh, RyanGormanShow.com is where you can check that out again. RyanGormanShow.com. And then we also found an extended version of uh, the rooster guy in Jacksonville who killed his neighbor's rooster. Uh, we did that story the other day on the Ryan Gorman show, and and there was a, a news report that went along with it. But then, oh, thanks, James. Uh, James has some of the audio here. Then we got the new audio uh, where it's like him talking for two minutes. <laughs> and here's here's a quick clip. I go to my mailbox one morning. I don't see nothing. I just check my mail. I turn around and go. I hear. And I turn around, and there's the chicken out there in the street. I said, oh, boy, here we go. Turn around, walk back to my place. Now the chicken's in my yard. Now his neck flares up, and he's doing his thing, and he's trying to jump up at me. <laughs> well, I'm not 80 years old, so I move a little bit quicker than my dad, which he come and kind of ambushed my dad, assaulted, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> So I pick up a stick in the yard, and and I try to hit it, but the chicken's jumping up at me, and I accidentally knocked it in the head. You know, call it a lucky shot, whatever. The chicken rolled around on the ground right there in my yard up here, and then it... And then it just laid down the ditch. I, I didn't want to give. I didn't know to give it a twenty-one gun salute, <laughs> CPR, mouth to mouth. You know, or call the chicken ambulance. (laughs) (laughs) It never gets old. I could keep listening to it. It just gets better, too. It does. I mean, he is the ultimate Florida man, and that video is so great. If you haven't seen it yet, you can find that at RyanGormanShow.com, too. Coming up next, we're going to talk to ABC News crime and terrorism analyst Brad Garrett here on AM Tampa Bay. The latest headlines, weather, and traffic every weekday morning. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. Let's go to the hotline. And joining us now, we have ABC News crime and terrorism analyst Brad Garrett to talk about uh, some of the similarities between some of the recent mass shooters, Buffalo, Uvalde, Highland Park. Brad, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to come on the show. And, you know, unfortunately, we keep seeing this happen, and time and time again, there are so many similarities between the perpetrators of these crimes. What stood out to you about a couple of the more recent mass shootings we've experienced? So, because of their age, it's fairly common they're going to have a social media footprint. Uh, many of them like playing video games, like many 
teenage, young adult kids do. And so I want to be clear about one point, that in talking about would-be mass shooters, they look at some of these violent video games through a different prism than the everyday kid. Right. I mean, parents, I think, are not thrilled that kids play all these these games that are very violent, but they don't go harm anybody. Mm -hmm. But if you're a would-be mass shooter, you look at this as sort of a, a place to practice, to become more proficient even though it's a make-believe setting. And then from that, you end up in a chat room and you talk to people that may be on some levels like-minded. Um, and through that process, you sort of fuse your your personality into being driven by violence and that you see a way to become empowered, you see a way to get attention, um, and take control and you be able to control people's lives because most mass shooters feel out of control. Um, and so, I, so, so online activity is a contributor. How much, you know, that remains to be seen, um, but very difficult to monitor. And some of the things it appears that the Highland Park shooter was saying and doing online would have definitely, I think, got him a visit from law enforcement. Well, he posted gaming videos online where he shot at people from rooftops in Call of Duty. So literally the idea um, that he executed, he had done that before in a video game. Right. Right. It's, it's like I started to say before, it's like training. It could be a training ground yeah. for people who are thinking about doing something like this. This is what I think a lot of people are having a hard time wrapping their heads around. And again, we're joined by ABC News crime and terrorism analyst Brad Garrett. You have two situations in 2019 where the Highland Park mass shooter uh, was either a threat to himself or others. One where law enforcement actually came and removed weapons from the home, a sword and like uh, you know 16 or so knives. Yet just a couple of months later, his dad is able to help him purchase a firearm. That doesn't sit well with, I think, most Americans. What went wrong there? So what you would, I don't know this, but I, just based on experience, you had an incident report that would have been written by probably by a patrol officer that would go into the Highland Park police system. But it wouldn't get uploaded anyplace else because, A, it's not an arrest, and, B, this kid was not, uh, he wasn't forced to go into a mental health facility for mm -hmm. an evaluation. Both of those, assuming they got into the computer, would have been potential red flags, if you will, to purchasing a weapon. But because his father came forward and vouched for him, the state police then ran a background check based on uh, you know what information they did have, and didn't didn't see a reason why they couldn't issue him a weapon, and you know, or a permit to buy a weapon. Uh, in his in his case, I mean, you're talking about basically as the father giving him permission to buy, yeah, clearly some of the most powerful weapons you can buy as a civilian. ABC News crime and terrorism analyst Brad Garrett with us talking about. Some of the recent mass shootings, including the most recent one, the Highland Park mass shooting. Brad, we really appreciate the time and insight. Thanks so much for coming on. You're welcome. Take care.
All right, coming up next here on AM Tampa Bay, we'll do a weekend events preview and wrap things up before we kick off my show, The Ryan Gorman Show, at 7 right here on News Radio WFLA. Stick around. Live on 99.1 FM in Pasco County, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. Ryan Gorman in for Jack Harris with Keita Buccino and James Berlander. Final few minutes of AM Tampa Bay before we switch over to my show, The Ryan Gorman Show, coming up at 7. I was looking through some of the weekend events, and we're going to have Tampa Bay Times Entertainment Events reporter Sharon Wynn on at 8 o'clock to talk about things to do around town this weekend. It seemed like it was a bit of a slow weekend. Yeah, all around for events, for concerts. Yeah. There really wasn't much going on. No, because it's been real busy. There's been a ton of things to do every weekend over the past couple of weeks. Of course, last weekend, July 4th, yeah. there's always a bunch to do. But yeah, just I, I thought it seemed like a little bit of a lull here uh, this weekend. We're going to get through it, though. There are a few things happening. Well, I'm going to get through it. I don't go anywhere <laughs> to do anything anyway. But Are uh, you going to the Bush Gardens Hollow Scream auditions today? Is that happening? I saw that you could... So basically, this is for people who want to be a character... A scare actor, A scare actor. Or involved in some sort of way. But yeah, you have to audition. Uh, If you think you have what it takes, though, they're doing their auditions today and tomorrow. I want to just sit in the room and watch people audition. I feel like that would be so much fun. Can you imagine... And some of them probably take it really, it's like a legit acting chance, a, you know, oh, chance yeah. for them to showcase their skills. I got traumatized by Hollow Scream actor when I was a younger kid. I remember my mom really? had like told them my name and I didn't know that. So they came uh, up to me and knew my name. I was so scared. They do a really good job. They, they hire great job. actors. Yeah, I'm trying to find this picture I have here somewhere. I've always wanted to do something like this, but I would laugh. I can't stay serious for very long. I didn't do, I wasn't a character at a haunted house, but when I was up in Chicago, I let them do, they did the makeup. Yeah. And that that's me pumping gas afterwards. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, you got to sit there. Like for the ones, for the actors who are wearing makeup, they have like a whole getup. You really do have to sit there sometimes for a long time while they put all that crap yeah. on. It's, I mean, I you know. As she's halfway done making my face all bloodied and everything, I'm thinking this is a bad idea. I did't know I was going to be here for you know two hours. Getting this it done. does take a long time because yeah. they use like liquid latex and yeah. stick things to your face like tissue. Yeah. It's a whole process. Yeah, my favorite of the whole night wasn't really at the uh, it wasn't at the actual haunted house. It was later on when I'm just like at the gas station pumping gas <laughs> and I got all that on and people are looking at me like, "What the hell is going on over there?" I would have so much fun with that. <laughs> but seriously, I don't think that I could do it. I would laugh. Yeah. Like the second someone got scared, I would laugh right. and make fun of them. So. When do they st- does it, it, it's been starting earlier and earlier all the Halloween events. Like now it's into mid-September. Yeah, it starts like the middle of September, seriously. Like yeah. I think like the second to last week in September. I don't know the exact dates this year, but you're right. I do feel like it it's going to be in July soon. Right. And th- uh, did they have Hallow Scream and and uh I think the they- one in Orlando. They have that the last couple of years. I I think they brought it it back last year. I could be wrong about that, but I remember they, at one point, they had like a very limited. You've got people, you know, running up and 
screaming in your face, you know, when we yeah. had COVID. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't the ideal scenario. So that, that was why it had to go on hiatus uh, for a little bit. But yeah, and concert-wise, there really weren't many acts that I could see. There were like big acts that were coming to town. Usually, we've had a string where there have been some really good shows week in and week out. Yeah. Um, I saw like a lot of local bands like yeah. Bearded Brothers, Soul Circus, Cowboys, but there, you're right. There really weren't many big concerts. No, not uh, many big comedians. Uh, it's just it's just a quiet week uh, around town in Tampa Bay. Uh, but we'll have the full breakdown for you again coming up at uh, 8.05 with Tampa Bay Times Entertainment and Events Reporter Sharon Wynn. Uh, in a moment, when we kick off the Ryan Gorman Show, we'll tell you about a situation that unfolded throughout the day yesterday. Um, if you missed the start of yesterday's show, Katie brought in some snails uh, that she had seen in her place, around her house uh, in Pasco County. She brought them in so we could look at them, see if maybe they're those those giant African land snails that are getting so much attention, the, this invasive species that uh, everyone's freaking out about. Um, we then got contacted by our boss yeah. later in the day, the Department of Agriculture. Things spiraled. Uh, got involved. <laughs> it was a day. <laughs> it was a lot going on. Aaron, he, we'll talk to him, obviously. He didn't believe it. He thought we were just putting him on. He, he still doesn't. Yeah, he still doesn't know exactly what went down and, and how it all unfolded. So uh, there's a lot to unpack with that. We'll do it in a moment right here on News Radio WFLA. Stick around.